Hello and welcome to the Hoosie Podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this week's show, we're going to be discussing a Target novelisation. And we've picked the mighty The War Games. And we'll see how mighty it is later on, shall we? So, um, but anyway... um, What's been happening since we've last sort of been recording? Now, obviously, the last time um, Paul and I recorded it is, was the day that Jodie Whittaker was announced as the 13th Doctor. And it does appear that it's still sort of rumbling on, isn't it, with the occasional whinge um, about the casting and, and whatever, and it's resulted in people like Peter Davison leaving Twitter because he, he took a bit of a bashing, didn't he, for a, a comment taken out of context. Yeah, I and mean, if and if you look at the everything he said, it was completely taken out of context, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, they also tried to start some sort of sus- supposed spat between himself and uh, Colin Baker, uh, which again was utter utter nonsense. I think he did have an opposing view to Peter Davison, but it wasn't a a spat as they were trying to uh, trying to maintain. Yeah, but um, but we had someone started up a a, a sort of a, a petition. To, to remove Jodie Whittaker from from the, from the role, which I find utterly uh, amazing, um, and also the BBC had to officially respond to complaints about the casting, uh, which I, I'm I'm yeah. laughing about. I, 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 <laughs> and I suspect it's in the charter they have to make if someone makes a if they get so many complaints on something they've got to make an official response. Well, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. Um now this was um released sort of around about the 18th 19th of July. And basically this is the BBC's um response to the complaints. It said um since the first doctor regenerated back in 1966, the concept of the doctor as a constantly evolving being has been central to the program. The continual input of fresh ideas and new voices across the cast and the writing and production teams has been key to, longe- to the longevity of the series. The Doctor is an alien from the planet Gallifrey and it has been established in the show that Time Lords can switch gender. As the control of BBC drama has said, Jodie is not just a talented actor, but she has a bold and brilliant vision for her Doctor. She aced it in her audition, both technically and with the powerful female life force. I still don't know what that means, um, but that she brings to the role. She is destined to be an utterly iconic doctor. We hope viewers will enjoy what we have in store for the continuation of the story. Now, it's a pretty sad time that BBC has to to release a statement. But as you say, they are bound to to respond to complaints, aren't they? Um, it's just sad yeah. that people felt the need to complain, really. Yeah, uh, well, people do. People complain about everything. Oh, don't so they don't, just? Yeah. Crikey, crikey. I mean, we, we, we've we used this podcast for that medium, so... <laughs> yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that there's been a lot of um, extremes I mean, both of the argument. I think there's, really. there's some people that still can't get over Jeremy Clarkson not being on top gear. <laughs> 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 That is very, very so, true. Very true. So a woman as the doctor is never is always going to cause a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, you know, as I, I, I'm trying to say, it, there's been extreme arguments at either end of the spectrum. And I think really, I think people are saying, well, don't start having a go at people who are um, utterly uh, sort of against the casting. Um, I, I think as Peter Davison was trying to say, he wasn't entirely sure was he he was talking about the need for 
you know, the Doctor is, is a role model um, for you know yeah. for young boys, which is which is a I think is a, a fair argument. But the other side to that, which again I think is a fair argument, is why can't a, um, a woman be a role model for young boys? So and I, and, and yeah, are, uh, you know. Davidson wasn't dismissing any of this out of hand, was it? And a lot of people haven't been. And I've also read women who are against the casting of Jodie Whittaker. So to, to say it's a, like a, it's a just a chauvinistic attitude with this, it's not really. It's a bit more complicated than that. Yeah, and as as we said doing that thing, I think I think once we've got down the line of a couple more regenerations and it's switched backwards and forwards, yeah, a few more times, then I think it'll just be. As is, you know. Yeah, we'll yeah, be concentrating so. on what 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 does what does this actor bring to it rather than what sex they are. Yes, indeed, indeed, and I think that's that's definitely the approach I'm taking. Yeah, what what does Jodie Whittaker bring to the role? And that's what that's what you know I'm yeah. excited about. What's going to happen next? You know, um, I, I can't yeah. wait. I really can't wait. Now, obviously. Um, off the back of this, there's also been a lot of, of, of viewings of, of the of the reveal, not just on the television, but also online as well. Um, and the reveal of Jodie Whittaker in the, in the role has had record viewings, um, it seems. It had, um, I think, mean, the, the, the teaser trailer, as it was David on Friday and before the BBC One Six O'Clock News, that was the thing with the funny key on the plinth, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. I think that's been what... I still haven't forgiven them for. <laughs> Well, that that was watched a further four point eight million times online. I know Troughton has that sort of key in the war games when he's trying to get it in the lot. I know. Before yeah. anybody else wants to write in, <laughs> having watched that again, yes, I know they've used that key. It's just, I know. It just seemed a little too ordinary for me. Exactly. So. Exactly. Now, um, on the reveal itself after Wimbledon um, on that Sunday, five million viewers. Um, saw that on the on the BBC, then it was watched a further nine point eight million times on the BBC One Facebook channel, um, and over two point five million views on the Doctor Who Twitter account. I, I should have done Omega Stats Corner for this bit, really, shouldn't I? But um, yes, that I mean that that's actually quite amazing, really, because that like a little sort of I wasn't even didn't last two minutes, did it? That reveal. Um, that's right. actually garnered more online views than an episode, an actual episode of Doctor Who. So that's a yeah, that's incredible. I mean, it'd be nice to think that all those people are now going to follow through and watch the rest of the next series. But uh, we might get interesting views for the first episode. But I wonder whether we'll just get back to normal again. Yeah, afterwards. maybe, maybe. I think you know. I think a lot of people followed through while they were getting angry. I think that was. <laughs> That that was about. <laughs> they, got that, they got that upset, did they? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, it's, it's actually talk, talking of the, the the reveal and the yeah. timing of it and whatever. Is it just me that sort of now, in hindsight, looks at that rather cynically? That they did this on the Sunday. Was it? The day before, two days before, they had to do the report that was on Payam gender, and took a hammering the BBC for yes women not being yeah high profile in the BBC. Well, it, it, they chose a few days before that they could then turn around. One of the one of the things they was able to turn around and say was, "Look, we've just got a female doctor, and she's being paid the same as the previous one." Mm. 
It does. I, I never thought about it like so, that, actually, but you, you, you might be onto something there. Um, the just, timing, just sort of... the ti- I, don't know, I don't know. Where the timing was in terms of if they had to announce it for any reasons in terms of... But I haven't seen anything that particularly made me... Since it's made me think, oh, that's why they had to announce it then. Mm, yeah. Just that they knew they had to announce a, a, a report that was going to... Basically, they was going to get hauled over the coals for not giving women enough of a shout. Yeah, and there's certainly, there's certainly a, 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 lot, a lot of disparity there, isn't there? There really is. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying this casting is for that. I'm just saying oh, no, the, the no. timing of announcing it was was quite. Um, I mean, it, it could be argued, of course, that this is this is why it's taken so long for the doctor to regenerate into a woman because it's it's only now that you get paid the same as a man. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, you know, it's, it's, it's purely economic on his views. He's got, he's got his eye on the coin. That's what it is. <laughs> well, he's got the TARDIS to upkeep, hasn't he? Come on. Well, she yeah. has now. Crikey. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it, it's. Um, I th- you you might be onto something there because it, it it did seem to sort of try and sort of take the edges off a very jagged jagged little pill there, actually. So yeah, yeah you, you could be onto something. You really could be, but um, but anyway, as we it know, it was the one thing they could oh, point to and say, wasn't it? No, 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 no. Look, we're we're promoting women. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, uh, it, uh, it yeah. make you wonder what um, if if she had equal billing alongside Peter Capaldi. So if, you know, would she be paid the same then? Yeah, that 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 would be the you know the, the true litmus uh, litmus test, unless I feel, but. Um, yeah. But anyway, here's hope the BBC addresses that because if you're doing if you're doing the same job, you should be paid the same wage. Really, Does, yes. doesn't matter who who or what you are. So um, anyway, yeah. now of course we're going to see Jodie Whittaker um, first appear when Peter Capaldi regenerates in this year's Christmas special, which we now know to be called Twice Upon a Time, and there was a nice little yeah. uh, teaser trailer. Announced or released, I should say, um, just after it was released for the San Diego San Diego Comic Con. That's easy for me to say. Um, nice that we actually got something at the same time as they did. I know, I know a lot of the sort of British um, fans get upset if there's anything exclusive for the American market. Um, so this all got released at the same time. Um, I'm, I'm glad this doesn't give a lot away. It's you know just announced that. Um, Mark Gatiss is going to be in, in this story as well, um, simply known as the Captain, apparently, um, which apparently is going to be sort of quite sort of pivotal in the Doctor's history. Do you think yes. this is going to be um, the Brigadier's father? Um, I don't know. I mean, I. Slightly worried it's going to be a younger brigadier, to be honest. Well, I don't, I don't think that will quite because this is this, this is set in the First World War, so um, oh. that's, that's that's definitely where that. Just looking at the uniform and also the the clip as well, the German soldier. It was a First World War uniform he was wearing. So, I'm, yeah, so we've got a time travel program. <laughs> true, true, but he is wearing the the officer's uniform from the First yeah. World War. So, um, yeah, yeah. So it was yeah. So that that's that's what I'm. Uh, that's what I reckon. It's something to do with the brigadier. It's um, or it might. I'm trying to think who else it might be with that sort of military bearing and a moustache. Yeah, 
Mm. It, it could be Captain Yates's grandfather, couldn't it? Yes. I mean, we could be getting a War Games revisited. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, could, we, we could have been more topical with our choice today than we realised. <laughs> <laughs> it, it could be Lieutenant Carstairs again, couldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> But I think the the big thing about this is that Bill is returning as well, um, and I, I didn't yes. think they could they could let Peter Capaldi go without without properly saying goodbye to Bill, really, and vice versa. To be honest, they're saying goodbye to the Doctor, yes. um, which I'm really really pleased about. I'm, I'm glad we you know I think she has now gone on record saying this is it for her. She's not doing it. She no, uh, this is it for her character. Um, so I'm glad. That, that she's come back to do this. I really am, because I think, she, I think she's been marvellous. Yeah. Yeah, just interesting to know, yeah, just exactly in what way or form she is in it. Yes, indeed. Indeed. So uh, that's something to look forward to, indeed. Now, something else um, others to look forward to or not. Now, obviously, uh, we recently, how say recently, last few months, we had the um, release of Power of the Daleks in an animated form, which was released in the BBC store, the soon-to-be-defunct BBC store, and then released on DVD and Blu-ray in colour. Now it appears, now we're going to get, possibly Sharda is going to get the animated treatment. Now, this this one I find a bit of a strange choice, if so, actually. Yes, because all the all the because as such we've had an animated version of this. We've had a f- well, <laughs> not not yeah. We've had Ian Levine's unofficial animated um, version, haven't we? Yeah. Um, we've also had the Big Finish adapt- adaptation of Sharda yes. uh, with the Eighth Doctor and Romana too. Um, but the, the weird thing about this, most of these animated. Um, Sort of ventures are taken or, or, or reconstructed using the off-air recording, so that there's a, a soundtrack intact. Yeah, but with Sharda, there isn't. There isn't. No, um, no. because they just weren't filmed because of the, because of the strike at the time. Um, I'm beginning with why why this story? I, I can't think of any logical yeah. reason why to do this story when there's so many missing episodes with with intact soundtracks yeah. that, that could be done. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be... You'd rather they spent the money doing that. Hmm. Let's, let's, yeah, let's have, I don't know, the Myth Makers or whatever. Or um, uh, Evil of the Daleks or something. Yes. Or the Daleks Master Plan, rather, for crying out loud, you know. Yeah. Um, Something that you know that's this that's rather than yeah a bit of a fan favorite. I know I Shard is kind of a, like a fan favorite, um, but I'm well. If they do do it, I'm interested to see how they're going to do it. I mean, are they going to get back? I mean, is there original actors? Yeah, I know that, some are that, dead now, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is going to be a good. But, I mean, whether the whether the faults on this are that if they are going to get Tom Baker to do bits. But that is the deadline, so to speak. Well, <laughs> want of a better phrase. Yeah, maybe you could um, be on something there. Yeah. Whereas the recordings will always be there, mm. unless the BBC really have a <laughs> <laughs> decide to finish the job once and for all. <laughs> um, 
yeah, if 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 they if they want to re-record, get the get as many of the original cast to record the bits that are missing, mm. then yeah, they 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 have the the clock is ticking, isn't it? Yes, indeed, indeed. So that could that could explain why this gets um, preferential preference treatment. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just sort of came out a bit out of the blue, this one, actually. I don't think it's actually been officially confirmed by the BBC, has it? Or is it just sort of like no. a rumour that's sort of circulating? Um, I mean, if it is, I mean, if it is just a rumour. It's certainly a very, very interesting rumour. Anyway, yeah. but, um, hmm. Well, you know, obviously, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this. And it, but it's interesting know. that the, the BBC did release the DVD eventually, didn't they? Well, you know, as in we've you've got the... Shard and many different forms DVD. Yes, yes. But why? Uh, you know, if, if this was at all anything that was in the planning, why they didn't wait? Yeah, yeah, I can't understand either, really. But oh well, as, as I say, I was about to say, you know, if um, if any more news pops up on this, then of course we'll um, we'll, we'll talk about it on the podcast. Now, yeah. um, finally, in the news. Now, since we've been away, um, we've had, we've sadly lost um, Deborah Watling, um, who played Victoria, yes. was one of the Second Doctor's uh, companions. Um, started at the age of sixty-nine. Um, appears from lung cancer, um, and it appeared to be very, very quick as well. I understand it's sort of like being well, diagnosed six weeks previously or something, and then um, and sadly passed away. Well, or how long she? We don't know how long she'd battled on before. No, exactly. Yeah, she, um, I must admit, a bit of a shock. Uh, um, I mean, sixty-nine. Yeah. He's still a, he's still a young age, really. Yes. You know, so um, I know she was always a big favourite round the um, round the conventions, and she sort of, you know, she was always um, doing conventions. And I just heard people saying what what how, how lovely she was, really. There's a show I, ne- yeah. I never got to see her at a convention. Because really, I've, I've seen like Wendy Pabry and, and, and Fraser Hines um, a couple of times now, but I, I never saw Deborah Watlin. I never never heard a talk no. about a, a, a Tom Doctor on stage, so it was a bit of um, yeah, a bit of a shame. That's a real shame. And also, sadly, um, we also lost Trevor Baxter, um, who plays uh, Professor Lightfoot in the Talons of Wen Chai, and also went on to recreate the character alongside Christopher Benjamin as uh, Henry Gordon Jago for Big Finish as well. So. Um, Yes. Yeah. It's a shame. I mean, at least... We haven't got around to listening to it. No, we haven't, have we? We probably much... should do, yes. I think we, we, we keep saying this a lot about a lot of the Big Finish stuff. We should get around to listening to it. Yes. There's a lot of stuff we've got to um, <laughs> we've, we've got to get around yeah. to. Um, and it is a... Well, we, we, we may well have a bit of a break now before the next series of Doctor Who, so... Yes, so I think we might... Um, we it might have some time to catch up. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be fondly reaching for. <laughs> yeah, so um yeah, he, he sort of I mean he graduated from Rada in nineteen sixty one, so he was quite I think he sort of come to it quite what would you say it was quite late in the day. He died aged eighty four, so um it was, no, it wasn't it wasn't that late in the day then really, was it? No. No, I suppose not really. Um, just trying to think. It's just quite frightening how long ago 1961 is now, to be honest. So yes, um, yeah, it, it's when you realise that that's yeah, yeah. But over. 
yeah, fifty but he, years ago. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's frightening, really frightening. Um, but it was in such things as Adam Adamant Lives, Zed Carl's um, Thriller, not Michael Jackson, the TV show Thriller, um, New Avengers, George and Mildred, Rumpel the Bailey. Um, yeah, so it was, it was in loads of things, loads of things. It's funny actually. Yeah. I, I was I was um, flicking through the channels. Uh, I think it was last night actually, and come onto the uh, you come across the Talking Movies channel. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know that one, yeah. Well, there was um, yes. film, that that will be the day that um, which stars David Essex. It's got Ringo Starr and Billy Fury and and I think uh, Keith Moon is in it as well. And I saw very very briefly was um, Deborah Watling going back to Deborah Watling again because all sort of set in some sort of holiday camp. I think she was one of the holiday makers that um, I think Ringo yeah. Starr had his eye on, if you know what I mean. So it, it, was, it was one of those sort of films where the sort of um, it's not quite confessions of a holiday camp. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't quite along those, those sort of lines. But yeah, it was all sort of like you know who who, who they can um, who who they could bed for the evening. I think Ringo Starr had his own Debbie right. Watling. So um, yeah, it just sort of knowing that we were sort of recording this today, that it was sort of I sort of saw in in that last night. So it was quite. Um, Sort of the time and everything, but um, yeah, so very, very sad, very sad indeed. So, um, yes. but as, as we keep on saying, it, it's this, this is going to become more and more pre- sort of prevalent, really, isn't it? Yes, yeah, unfortunately, so. Yes, it is. Okay, everybody, so um, that's all we have for the news uh, for this episode. Uh, so, coming up next is our review of the target novelization of the war games. So, for another week, then, that was the news. Right then, everybody, it's time to talk about the War Games, in its book form anyway. Um, This is the official title of the the book. It's called Doctor Who and the War Games, written by Malcolm Hulk, um, based on the script by Terence Dixon and Malcolm Hulk. And this was released in September 1979. Okay, now before we get on to um, talking about the book, we asked um, you, the listener... Uh, what you thought about this? We had a, just a couple of quick, um, quick mentions here. Um, first up, we have Peter Pete Murphy, who says for a book based on a ten-episode story, it should be four hundred pages long. Well, we'll come on to that in a minute. Um, Jeff Waddle writes: um, I remember getting this book in St Andrews, forty-five um, p, I think. Um, it said I still got it, but too lazy to go and check. Uh, was amazed with it because the War Games is one of those stories at the time you thought you'd never see, but you knew it must have been a classic because it was ten episodes on TV, eleven chapters if if I remember if I remember correctly, which threw me, as didn't know where the TV episodes would end. After eventually seeing it, and everyone says it's a classic, I quite enjoy it, but I prefer the book. Plus, I got a twin cone of mint and choc chip and strawberry from the famous St Andrew's ice cream shop, um, Luvians as well. Happy days. Okay, well, we're going to talk about this book now, but, but without the benefit of ice cream, though, unfortunately. I know. No. <laughs> mint, mint choc chip is one of my favourite ice creams, actually. So. I was going to say, they're just proving everything was better in the old days. It does, indeed, indeed. Um, but, okay, it's my turn to kick this off, isn't it? Um, yes. This is really, uh, as Pete Murphy said, it's, this book 
as it's a, um, it should be four hundred pages long because it's based on one of the, the one of the longest um, Doctor Who serials. Um, and it's yeah. not, is it? It is severely no. truncated, um, which I think it does kind of work in its favour. Tomorrow, did you think? Do you think the same? Um, I have to say, considering that it is truncated, this was probably one of the books first books we've done from this, mm. where I found deviated from the TV. Yeah more than probably any other but in just so stupid inconsequential bits yes yes um the plot is the same it mm-hmm. doesn't flesh out anything but some of the changes you just think really did you need to do that could we have just had a bit more fleshing out of the actual story rather than yeah i mean in something else i mean there was a lot of the padding taken out obviously um, I mean to get to give yeah. you an example that the the beginning when the doctors uh, the doctor Jamie and Zoe are court martial and they're going to shoot the doctor um, sort of waiting until because in the book he, he waits and um, and until no no is it I think it's the book or the um, the TV version but the basically the whole bit waiting until dawn for the doctor to be shot the yeah. TV version you've got Zoe sort of nosing around General Smythe's office. And, and room, um, yeah. And you got the and she, got, and she finds the the video screen on her own, doesn't that's she? And right. then takes them to show it. That's it. Yeah, because she's she, then, an attempted escape. escape. There, yeah, that's right. They? Yeah. Um, but in in the book, it just cuts immediately to the firing squad. Yeah. I mean that that I'm not so bothered about, and and to a certain extent, uh, yeah. The target, I presume, had to had to had a set number of pages yes yes. that was their style and whatever yeah but yeah there was there was there was other bits that was just in there and you just i mean i could some bits you could understand like the two two deserters the english and german deserter what willie muller and george brown (laughs) yes i made a note of their names it it served no purpose at all i mean mean, only from the point of view of to give the Descript to, to be astonished at the van disappearing. Yeah, I mean that was all they was in there for. Yeah, but why it needed, really needed them when well, it couldn't have just been, and then a line couldn't have just been, and the van disappeared. Mm. Why we had to have a paragraph of of them saying, you know, <laughs> having a having a, you know, <laughs> are you okay, Fritz, and sort of thing going on. Got in got in Himmel, Tommy England. Yeah. yeah it was, <laughs> <laughs> um, I really don't know. I mean, it was just a a, a bit of a pointless. It was deviation. Yeah. But when when you haven't got that much time to 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 play with. Well, they added that in, but they they severely truncated uh, Jamie and the Redcoats' escape. Yeah. From, from the present now. Um, I mean that that was all in basically third person, wasn't it? <laughs> basically, yeah. Um, <coughs> now I, I'm a big fan of Malcolm Hulk. To be honest, and I, yeah. the, the books we reviewed of his so far, I've really enjoyed. But it, this does seem to, as you say, it's trying to meet the brief of writing the book for children to read. Yeah, just a bit too much. It's not. I mean, I mean what's surprising? I mean, because basically, I think it's shorter than the Silurians, isn't it? Which he I, also wrote. Yes, 
I've got a funny feeling that was at least another 20 pages or so mm. longer. So I don't know. I mean, whether whether it was just time scale, you just didn't have enough time to go back. I mean, also, I suppose the TV series was is, is given as co-written, isn't it, with Terence Dix. How much of the TV stuff was Terence Dix changing, editorially changing? Mm. And how much of this book is Malcolm Hock actually just going back to his original script? Well, you could be because I think they it was one of those things they were, as, as typical of that particular era of Doctor Who, they were short on scripts, weren't they? And they had to, I think yeah. this story was severely padded <laughs> out. Yeah, to, to yeah. you know, to accommodate <laughs> I- that. I mean, to a point that where we've, um, I think when we when we reviewed the target review of Frontier in Space, yeah, I basically went through. Yeah, the problem I had with this episode was the Doctor gets captured, the Doctor escapes, the Doctor gets captured, the Doctor escapes. <laughs> it's it's very hard not to aim the same criticism at this. Really, it is a little bit. It, there was there was a lot of that going on, isn't there? Um, a lot yeah. of it going on. Um, I think another bit that was built up in the book for no particular reason, um, was the Romans. Yeah. Because on the TV, it's just a chase, isn't it? And they yeah. run away into, into the next sort of time zone. Um, but in this, they have these sort of dialogue about sacrifices. And again, it serves absolutely no purpose because it doesn't go back to them again, does it? <laughs> sacrifice two goats and a slave or something. That's really, yeah, something, something like that, yeah. Um, decided it's blasphemy to say that it was it was the the Brits that had fooled them that it had to be an, uh, a sign from God or something yeah yeah um, and you also had the um, again you talk about slaves actually when they, when they go to the American Civil War zone um, you have the doctor explain to Zoe about the American Civil War and the South not wanting to give up their slaves yeah and then you get Lady Jennifer um, talking to Leroy Thompson I think that was the character um, that the British favoured the South about um but about the independence, not the slavery, and that's that's not in the um, the TV version at all. That's sort of um, Malcolm Holt giving a little history lesson there, isn't it? Yeah, um, and very much in line with, with his his politics views. as well, his views. Yes. Yeah, um, so which, which I don't mind. No, I, mean, I don't mind I that. Say, no, had 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 this book been the four hundred page book. That we probably would have wanted. Uh, yeah, I think these bits probably could. It was just stuff that got cut, and you sort of thought, "I'm not quite sure." Well, actually, there's there's some characters I'd like to have known more about. Yeah, that actually got even less of a part in the book, mm. and just some people that were randomly brought in in the book. So yeah, I was, it just it was slightly confusing. It was. I mean, there was silly, other silly little changes as well. Like when, um, as a point with Jamie in the TV version, he escapes on a horse. Not in the book, though. I mean, how no. hard would it have written, you know, to to have written, you know, Jamie escapes on a horse? <laughs> you know, um, I think there's another bit earlier on where um, I think with the, when they blow up the safe. I think in the in the TV version, like an officer turns up and sort of you know the, the rumbles their game, but that's completely cut in the book. There's no real. That, that element of tension was removed, wasn't it? I think just to move the story along somewhat. Yeah, in the in the TV also they make a second attempt, don't they? Mm. You got them. They set up the machine gun, don't they, to 
to stop them landing again. That's right, yeah. In the chateau later on. Mm. Um, having taken the doctor, they then set up the... Which, which doesn't appear in the in the book at all. Yeah, that's right, that's right. I mean, you get very little in the... You get very little of the chateau, really, don't you, in the book? After the... Oh, incredibly little, yeah. I mean, you, you do spend quite a lot of time back there in the in the, t- in the TV version, don't you? And it's uh, other things that are different in the that you thought found why oh. that's different is the fact early on with Smythe goes into the room and disappears, mm. and Captain Ransom goes in to look for him. Yeah, it's when the prisoners are standing outside, that's are actually right. in the yeah. room, and he goes in and then comes out, and then Smythe comes out almost immediately after him. That's right. Yeah. And in the TV, it doesn't happen like that. Or am I getting them? My problem is now because I read half the book because because the timing of watching this and trying to fit in with watching it and not having to bore other people with the five episodes, <laughs> five hours of the war games at some point. Um, I had to tend to fit in watching it around when I was on my own. Yeah. So normally I'd read the book. I try to read the book when we're doing these comparisons. I try to read the book all the way through, and then watch the the TV version. Yeah, this I sort of read about a third of the book, then watched the TV version, then read the rest of the book, and now I'm getting slightly confused as to what I watched and well, what I read. Yeah, because I must say I, I did this some weeks ago. So we, we've had a lot of time to prepare for this one, haven't we? We, we yes. gave ourselves plenty of time, and. I, I did the same as you. I, I read a third of the book, then I started watching the DVD up until the point where I stopped in the book, and I was trying to make notes along the way to just to keep the differences in in some sort of order. Yeah. Um, then I read the rest of the book. Then I went back to the DVD again. So I, I I was able to sort of keep track of what had happened. But the trouble is. When you make notes at the time, it makes sense to you. Now I've written stuff down. I, don't, I can't remember if that was the book or if that was the TV version. So. Yeah, no, it's just, yeah, this is what I say. I prefer reading the book and then being out, then making notes while I'm watching the TV because I find it. So obviously, I tend to be reading the book. We're now giving people a, a broad idea of how we work. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Not very well, to, it I, seems. I, I tend to read the book either when I'm moving about or whatever. You know, either on trains or. Whatever, when I get a moment. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily in a position where I'm making notes as I go while I'm reading. Mm. Also, it's just distracting when you try to keep stopping to write a note. Yes, right. Whereas yeah. if I've read the book, then I'm watching the TV version, usually because I sort of know the TV version a bit anyway, so I don't need to concentrate so much on that that I can then make notes as the differences then. Yeah. But yeah. because I've watched it in a different order... I didn't know what the differences were while I was watching it on the TV. So. <laughs> I hadn't read that far in the book. I mean, I, I agree totally with uh, Jeff Waddle here. I mean, was it, is it too hard? You've got ten episodes. Is it too hard to have a chapter an episode? It's not really, is it? It's not. It really isn't. Um, and it, because because the um, the cliffhangers at the end of the episodes tend to be cliff, cliff would be cliffhangers at the end of chapters anyway. Unless yeah. you're going to put a put a, a wholly new chapter in somewhere, then I don't see why you can't just give us ten episodes. Then at least we could watch an episode, read a chapter, watch a episode, read a chapter, and do it that way. Yeah, this is you know 
This is just purely for our benefit. Why, why in 1979 <laughs> they didn't realise we'd be reviewing DVDs alongside <laughs> the book? I have no idea. Oh, when, oh, when, oh, when will Target wake up and realise that... <laughs> You'll be getting to sound like the worst type of person that writes into points of view. <laughs> that why oh why oh why? <laughs> I'm waiting for the BBC to have to have to release an official answer to this question. <laughs> I'm afraid, I'm afraid back in 1979, with the with the best will in the world, Malcolm Holt could not have known that you'd want to watch it on DVD. Oh dear, and they were all going to they were all going to hound you off of Twitter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, we came back to sort of things that the, that was sort of cut out from the book. I mean, the bit where they're the Doctor and Jamie and Carstairs have been crushed inside the Sidrat, where yes. the the War Chief changed the the internal dimensions of the Sidrat. Um, completely removed from the book, totally. Yeah, and um, it was actually a good. It was a good scene. scene. It was it was a. Um, he showed the War Chief to be a genuine threat. Yeah, and, and I think the. I mean, I'll come on to the war chief and the security chief and the and the warlords um, in a moment. But um, actually, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll come to it now. Actually, before we get to like the the end and everything, um, I sort of found that I mean, I I do enjoy the war games, okay. And I thought I want to make this perfectly yeah. clear. I enjoyed the the TV serial, and I did enjoy reading this book, despite all the the, the, the severe truncating of the story, because there is an awful lot of padding in the TV version, stretch it out to 10 episodes. And, and as you say, it's a, it's a capture, escape, capture, escape, capture, escape, all, you know, all the way through it. Um, but some of the acting um, is a little bit off-putting, if you take my meaning, especially from the security chief. Oh, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, um, and even... But- even Edward Brayshaw as the war chief, again, his his line delivery is a little bit staccato, and he's meant to be like he's he's a tonal. Really, no, he's not a member of their race. Then you get Philip Maddock turn up as the warlord, who shows them how to do menace properly. Yes, I mean, I have to say, I'm reading the book. I like cards on the table here. I, I love, I like the war games. Yes, I yes, to same, a, here, same point, here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, Quite happily watch it again, all, mm. all ten episodes. I found the book a bit of a slog. Really? I yeah, whizzed, I whizzed I just, through it. I really whizzed through it, to be honest. I and I, I didn't mind reading it, to be honest. No, I, I really did actually miss the performances. I couldn't. I found the characters so flat, written down. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, the war. Uh, say the warlord is just hardly there in the book. Mm. To be honest, I don't no, really. I, feel, I do agree with that. Yeah, I don't yeah. really feel he he does anything in the book. But actually, yeah, from the moment he arrives in the TV episodes, mm. it's just centre stage, isn't he? Yeah. Oh god! Every yeah. time he appears, and yeah, and I don't think the book had that. I don't think the book really had that menace. I, I agree that the war, um, the security chief was was yeah over the top in the TV, but I don't mind. I, I, it, it sort of bustled along really to, to to what was needed in that. I think you probably did need the 
than rather uh, over the top performance for that role. Well, he, uh, he was, I mean, he, he was sort of like your uh, what, what the description really sort of like your your your, your war film Gestapo officer, wasn't he? Yes. You know, he's sort of he, always interrogating people. He's got, he, he has his methods, um, and I think that that's what the and even down to the little round glasses as well. They all wore. Um, yeah. I mean, it's very very sort of you know, uh, what's the the um, the Gestapo officers in uh, um, Rise of the Lost Ark? Was it Tot? I think he's or Tote, what his name was. Um, so he's very very much in in that mould. But it was that. That strange delivery, like the, that sort of very nasally sort of um, reading of the lines, I just, I just found rather odd. To be honest, it, it doesn't it doesn't ruin anything for. I just, I just think it, it's odd, and it get to me it gets a little bit much. To, you know, to, the more hysterical he gets, the more the more he argues with the war, with the war chief. Um, it, to me, it, get, it gets a little bit grating. But, but yeah, but but at least it gives you a contrast with the war chief who's. Sort of much more sort of laid back and yeah, but he, he tries to do that sort of voice as well. Come the end, it's sort of you know it's. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I, I, just, I know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, 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 but at least, but then they're bringing the contrast to the warlord who yes. is very just true menace. Yes. Yeah. The yeah. one, the one thing I, I did, one thing I've always liked about this story, and obviously it's the first appearance of the Time Lords, um, and the first yeah. time they're actually named as well. Um, I always found that in this story they made the Time Lords very, very threatening. Not so much threatening, but you, you, they put across that they were a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. That even the Doctor and the War Chief, the War Chief was petrified of getting them, of them getting involved, and then um, that bit at the end with where the Warlord goes, they're coming, and it just cuts to the, the to the Doctor Jamie and Zoe run towards the TARDIS. Um, and they have sort of got the power to sort of like stop time from where they are. Yeah. Um, they talk about, I think in the book it sort of says they felt like they were, they were underwater, like they were drowning. Yeah. And even that affecting the TARDIS didn't quite wear off, the sort of caught in this sort of time bubble sort of thing. Yeah. Um, the cold wind that comes. Yeah. That's why they described it in the book. But I found the timelines were less threatening in the book. Because you even get that bit um, right at the end, the time say it's a pity the Doctor would have brightened up the place. Yeah, you know they're sort of like that sort of sort of lamenting the fact that they had they had to put the Doctor on trial so and, and sort of punish him for what he'd done. So yeah, that, I thought that, the, that, the book that did was lose written, that. yeah with a with a seventies view of the Time Lords, wasn't it? The book, oh the, yes, time the book is yes, very much so. That, that that sort of fusty old old men. Yeah. Walking around, sort of old, sort of like, sort of like that, that sort of House of Lords style thing, full, yeah. full of old, you know, old farts, basically. Um, so I think that the, the the book did lose that element of the titles being all powerful. Yeah, I, I really do. Um, and I know we we sort of skipped to the to the end here, to, to like the last episode, but this is where the book puts more stuff in again. Because the the last episodes, um, well, I, I'll say that it cuts stuff out, then adds other bits in. Um, so you've got the thing with the warlord escape attempt. Now in, yeah. in the TV version, you've got these guards storm the place, they escape, they take the Doctor, Jeremy's A back to the TARDIS, um, and it's the Doctor who tricks them and, and then escapes. 
and then yeah. you have the you know the warlord trapped in the bright light with his guards and everything. Um, but in the book, you get the guards arrive at a Sidrat. Um, they go into like the courtroom, and then immediately the time lords put them in the light. There's no, he, he doesn't get out of there, does he? No, it's all contained in that one room, um, which I find weird, really. But then when it comes to the doctor, the doctor's escape attempt. You have this thing about trying to slide under the force field, and and in the TV yeah. version, it's just, oh, he's forgot to turn the force field on. Which I think actually would make it makes more sense that these all powerful time lords <laughs> have created something that actually, oh, we didn't think about people who just crawl underneath it. I know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, so obviously, obviously, field time lords would be too dignified to crawl. Yeah, I think that's probably more like it, actually. Yes, yes. Or they're so bloody old, their backs would give out trying to do a hip would go or something. Yeah. <laughs> because they've been the later time lords. Those big wing collars would stop you as well. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I know we sort of did, we, we talked so I mean, this is probably one of the, the very few, one of the few stories we've come across where there is such a, big disparity between what you see on the television and what you read yeah um i, I and, as, and I, as i said unnecessary I yes think. yes um however i think you've got to to my mind you've got to treat these as two completely separate entities there's no real how could i put it sort of crossover is is the, the, the novelization is very imbalanced yeah i, I can't think of another way to describe it Really, the, pro- the problem I have with the novelization is it really highlights the shortcomings of this story. Yeah, I, yeah, I take your point, um, um, and that's not necessarily the the book's fault as more as the fact that it does the the it, it the war games is to a certain extent a, 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 a very simple short story. Yeah, that gets a bit padded out. Yeah, but I actually quite like some of the padding, and some of the padding being slightly over the top characters. Yeah, like and... Arturo Villa, for argument's yes. sake. Yeah. Yes. Um, again, even that's different in the his introduction in that's different in the book to to how it is on the the screen in the fact that they've gone looking for him, but he turns up. That's right, yeah. And creeps in to the chateau. Whereas, basically, he he comes in with car stairs, doesn't he, in the in the book, I think. I think he does, that, actually. Right, right, yeah. Around? yeah. Yeah, I think so. And he's just introduced to everybody. Yeah. So, I, yeah, it's... There's, as I say, I, I just... It, I mean, I enjoyed reading it, I've got to be honest. And I think if you... If you've never seen the War Games on DVD... Yeah. Then I think it would be a perfectly serviceable book. Yeah. But I think if you were to watch the War Games after, yeah, it might put that book in a different light, as it has done for us, because we've got we've got the prior knowledge. Yes. Really. Um. And I think that that was that. I think it does tip the balance in the favour of the televised version, certainly in this one. Because the war, yeah, the novelisation does add. A few interesting things in there, but not not enough to make the book a classic because it because it, it, it removes far too much of the televised version. 
yeah what 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 we've really enjoyed about books when we've done them is the ones that put in little backstories yeah. to some of the characters and some of the minor characters sometimes mm. and just gives you a bit more a feeling of that being a more rounded character yeah but when you watch it again you, you sort of watch it from that almost like oh i know what your bet your what your history is now so i know why you're acting that way yeah yeah um the book i don't think has done anything to enhance the tv version um yeah and given the choice between reading the book again or watching the tv i'd, I'd watch the tv watch every the TV. time yeah yeah no, I, I, I mean, I would, I would agree with that because I, I think it is a, it's a ten episodes. You think it's, everyone's oh, it's a bit of a slog ten episodes, but it's not really the war games. I think it, it does move on. I think it's a really, really good story. Actually, yeah. I know there is a lot of repetition in that story, as have you said with the, you know, capture, escape, capture, escape all the way through it. But, um, I just think that the. Even though there's a lot of over-the-top performances, which I think for me is a bit of a, a, a bit of a distraction, but it's a very, very enjoyable story. It does it does drag you in. It, it, yeah. it captures you. It's got your attention. And I don't know if it's because you know it's Pat Troughton's last story, um, or it, it's just a, like an interesting thing. These different war zones. You've got these alien races sort of manipulating everything. Um, maybe it's a bit of both. I don't know. And and eventually it gives you Philip Maddock. It does in the TV, which yeah, which is always a good thing. Yes, yeah. Um, and well, of course, the other thing is well, the TV version does give you Pat Trouton as well. Um, yeah, which which the no, no book could, could ever achieve. No, really couldn't. So, um, so would you recommend the book? Um. Well, maybe maybe there's two answers. Would you recommend the book to someone who's seen the TV version, or would you recommend the book to someone who hasn't seen the TV version? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think it's interesting to read the book in sense of because it's got so many odd things. Now, I almost now want to go back and read it, you know, to actually sit down and actually really pinpoint where mm. the differences are. Yeah, and see whether I was just being hard on it at the time, just because I'm suddenly thinking myself, "Where are we going with this?" You know. Yeah, yeah, especially with Willy <laughs> Muller. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think actually that's probably why get what what the book let me down, or I feel let me down with, was it suddenly started to go off in a little tangent, and I thought, "Oh, this is going to be interesting." Yeah, yeah, and it went nowhere. No, exactly. <laughs> the, the, when, it, when it went off on the tangent from the TV. They went nowhere and did nothing to, to 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 help you, and it just sort. I was just sort of every time it was just like, oh, this is oh no, it's not. <laughs> Which is really unlike Malcolm Hulk. Yeah, because as I said, as I said at the beginning, I'm a big fan of Malcolm Hulk's novelizations, and yeah. I'm a big fan of his scripts as well for um for for Doctor Who. So I mean, it... I mean the 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 cave monsters, yeah, Silurians, that is brilliant. To read as a book, um, so's um, invasion of the dinosaurs, yeah, as well. Where he really does put the dinosaurs in the background, yeah. That story is not about dinosaurs at all. No, that is not what the story is about. And 
I, I love the fact he really did shift them because he didn't even describe them. There was no description of what the dinosaurs yeah. looked like. Um, he just shoved it to the background to concentrate on the, on the, the proper story. Yeah, and, and, his, and his stories are interesting, whether you agree with his view of the world or not. Hmm. At least his stories are trying to put a point across and yeah. create a... And get you uh, thinking. Uh, yeah, an yeah. argument for you whether you want to agree with it or not mm. this i don't was disappointing because he had so many areas where he could have done that with this story mm. and didn't yeah the bits where he could really have gone to town and could have made you think you know different wars different you know what's what what is this war about why why you know were the similarities in war yeah we didn't get that no there and was none that of that story was there yeah i suspect it, i suspect i wouldn't be so hard on it had it not been for him writing it yeah if it had been like another eric saywood or something yeah yeah with with another animal non sequitur or something so. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean so... e- e- even i mean not not to be uh Disparaging to um, Terence Dix, just even if it had just been a Terence Dix knocking out a novelisation of the the story, yeah. or someone else's story, I could have sort of accepted it. But because it was him, and you tend to look at his stuff as in, yes, this is a person with something to say, mm. there wasn't as much of him in this story as I as I was hoping. I yeah I can I can see your point on that and I I do agree I do agree with that it, it's not it's not your um your typical Malcolm Holt novelization by any stretch of the imagination yeah it really isn't so um, um, I, I mean and, and again this is the middle aged me reading it yeah um the ten year old me with me mint chop chip kind of yeah exactly well. like Jeff was back in the day exactly yeah Would've, I think. Would yeah. would have been Lapped would have been up, probably really. happy with this, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's the we're now looking at these things because we want something that's actually going to appeal to us as as uh, jaded Oldham. Doctor Who fans, yes, yes. <laughs> um, and perhaps it didn't, so no, it sort of stuck to its its child audience. Mm. Um, which uh, yeah is, is where it's supposed to be aimed. So it's it's difficult to be critical. It's just yeah, you just sort of you tend to think that he has a lot more. I mean, actually has a lot more respect for kids in terms of what they can, what they want to know, mm. um, and what they will accept, and and that they will think. You know, if you give them, if you say this to them, they they are old enough to to say, well, actually, I don't agree with that, or you know, maybe take that on board yeah idea of war but yeah it just didn't seem to be it was just slightly disappointing for for, for him yes as opposed indeed. to the target book I yeah think. yeah i agree i agree well um a, a, <laughs> a slight sort of not say disagree but a slight different different of, of of opinions on this book on the who's he podcast well i don't think we've had a yes. a different opinion like this for for a while have we actually no no it's quite some after all the positivity lately, it's been quite refreshing to be a bit negative again. 
when people listen to this, they go, oh, look at that load. Just, just being different for the sake of being different. Different, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's what we've taken from this book. We can be different for the sake of being different. Exactly, exactly. So, um, that, that pretty much wraps up this review, really. So, when we return um, week after next, uh, we're back to our Series 1 retrospective, aren't we? Yes. And that's been a while. I, I, I... <laughs> um, now, aren't we up to the Unquiet Dead? Is that our next episode? I believe so. Yes, yes. So, this is... Um, after just reviewing, which appears to be Mark Gatiss's last contribution, script-wise, to Doctor Who, we're going to be... Um, sort of discussing his first TV script for Doctor Who. So, um, and I've, I've got particularly yep. fond memories of this one, so let, I know it's been a while since I've watched it, so let's see if that, um, if that, my view still Hands holds up. up. Yes, indeed, yes. indeed. So there we are. So, um, that's it then. So until we return week after next, it is goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Who's he?